His loving kindness tells us that God passionately loves us, longs to be with us, and will pursue us even when we walk away from Him. Here's the key, guys, that He will not give up on us even when we've given up on Him. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday Sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I just ask today, God, that when we leave this place today, God, that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God, that we are loved by you. And Lord, I ask today, God, in your name that, uh, Lord, if there's any uh, lies, God, anything that stuck to us over the years that's untrue, that's not of you, that's not uh, birthed out of heaven, Father, we pray today, God, that it would fall off of us. In fact, Lord, we just say today in our own hearts, God, we give you permission to break off anything in our lives that need to be broken off today. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Well, listen, as most of you guys know, uh, the Bible is divided into two parts. We, you know, commonly refer to those two parts as the Old Testament and what? Talk to me today. The New Testament's right. But listen, as we stated several weeks ago, the better, probably more accurate translation for those words would actually be the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Now, one of the many things that we discover as we, you know, read through the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is that there's a constant God-given pattern uh, to covenant making from Genesis to Malachi. And now we know that, uh, you know, this pattern of covenant making consists of seven different things. We'll throw it up there. The seven things are the following. Number one, that each covenant has a covenant representative. Secondly, that each covenant has a covenant oath. There's a covenant promise. There's a covenant sacrifice, a covenant seal, a covenant meal, and lastly, a covenant memorial. Now, as we said last week, we know each one of those uh, seven components that are on that list, they all serve as a sign that God intentionally used during Old Testament times to point his people, uh, you know, directly to the coming of his son, who we know as Jesus Christ, and the new covenant that he came to establish on our behalf. If you're thankful for that, say, oh, yeah. So, listen, from that understanding of those seven things uh, that we've come to define covenant as this, Covenant is simply an agreement between God and his people, that's us, in which he has made binding promises based off of his unconditional love. Can somebody say unconditional love? Can we just maybe go ahead and throw it out there today that there would be no covenant without God's unconditional love? Amen? Amen. So listen, all right, with all that said, uh, the past two weeks we've talked about the covenant representative, and then we talked about the covenant oath. Today we want to move to the third component on that list, which is simply the covenant promise. Now, as we've seen, you know, over the past few weeks that in the times of the Old Testament, uh, every covenant contained promises that each party swore to fulfill. Now, while that is certainly important, uh, you know, piece of the covenant, uh, you know, and especially the new covenant, that's not necessarily where we're going to focus on or what we're going to focus on this morning. Uh, because truthfully, I've, I feel in my heart today that God wants us not to just focus on the promises. We talk about the promises a lot around here. Uh, but I feel like he wants us to talk about basically this, the motivating factor, his heart behind why he chose to make those covenant promises with us. Uh, you know, with that thought in mind, 
I believe the Bible makes it perfectly clear that the motivating factor is based off of what we find in Jeremiah 31.3. Let's look at this verse. It says, The Lord appeared to me from ages past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness. Can somebody say loving kindness? It says, therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. It's an incredible verse, isn't it? Listen, when we begin to unpack this incredible subject of the covenant, uh, we find at the core of covenant language, consistently, we find this word, loving kindness. Now, if you're sitting here today and by chance the word loving kindness is new to you, uh, I, I simply want you to know today that the word loving kindness actually comes from a Hebrew word that's called Hasid. Can somebody say Hasid? Just kind of fun to say. Anyway, especially if you throw a little accent in there. But anyways, so listen, the, the word Hasid is typically uh, translated not only as loving kindness, please don't miss this today, but also as this, compassion, goodness, loyalty, mercy, steadfast love, bonded love, sticky love, unfailing love, and lastly, covenant love. Now, here's what's so neat about the word Hasid. It's, is, is actually found over 250 times in the Old Testament. So clearly, when I say that it is a you know, a mainstay. It's a thing that consistently comes up in covenant language, man. It, that's the truth. Amen. So, so real quick, let's do this. Uh, I'll just pick on you two guys. Uh, ben, come up. AJ, come up. Just stand beside each other. Uh, I won't embarrass the other people I embarrassed last week. So anyways, li listen, as we, if you can't turn to face one another, like you like each other. Yeah. All right, here we go. So, so listen, as, as we've seen over the past few weeks, uh, once again, when two representatives uh, you know, would come and smile at each other like they're smiling at each other right now. Anyways, we come to make covenant with one another. We know that they made binding promises and sealed those promises with an oath to one another. Is that true? That's true. So listen, uh, but, but the key thing I want to look at today is this. Is it's awesome that they make these binding promises. It's awesome that they make these oaths and they have a meal together and they sacrifice and all those things. But, but the thing I want to ask today is this. Is, but what happens when these two covenant partners part ways? What then? How, how many of you guys know that a lot of times it's easy to say things in the moment, but it's a different thing to actually walk it out when you walk away, when, when, the, when the emotions have lifted? Can I get a well? Come on, somebody. So listen, th this is, so watch, after they returned back to their everyday lives, it was Hasid that kept them in covenant relationship. It was Hasid that helped them live out the daily mundane task to fulfill what? Their covenant responsibilities. It was Hasid that enabled them to make the necessary self-sacrificing decisions that it took to carry out the covenant promises they made to one another through the covenant-making process. Are y'all seeing this? So listen, as you can see that it's Hasid or, or a, a mutual loving kindness that they have towards one another that did what? That basically, that, that it's this loving kindness that was used to describe this between them. It, was, it described their expression of love, but it also uh, expressed their commitment between the two of them because it was used to describe the covenant in action. 
So once again, so rewind there. So all of the 250 times that God chose to say Hasid in the Old Testament, he was referring to his commitment, his expression of love towards us who have that, that what? That he's made a covenant promise with. Amen? So, so watch this. Now when we, when we roll these ideas, y'all, you guys go ahead and sit down. You, you're amazing. Oscar's on your way. So um, li- listen, now when we roll all of those ideas forward into the new covenant that you and I currently enjoy, guess what? We discover that when God speaks of hasid, when he speaks of loving kindness, it is typically used to express his, once again, unilateral move of revealing of making and ultimately his keeping of the covenant that he has sworn to us. Now, watch this. Furthermore, it even speaks directly to what? To his faithfulness in difficult situations when every covenant promise that he's made to us is what? Is being tested by the trials of life. Is there anybody here today that's had, uh, that's been, I'll say, that's seen the promises of God tested by the trials of of life. Amen. I know I have. I can wiggle every toe on that one. Amen. So listen, you can see though that at the, at the heart of Hasid uh, that we find more than some, you know, legal obligation that God is emotionlessly and dutifully bound to. In other words, God's not like, oh, I got to go do this. Right? At the core of Hasid, we find this. We find the heart of a father, watch this, that's full of love, a heart of father that's full of warm-hearted generosity, heart of a father that's full of goodness, heart of a father that's full of loyalty towards us, his kids. Amen. Amen. So let me just maybe say this to you today. I think, I think one of the biggest things that we miss in the church is the, under, the, the lack of understanding of God's unconditional love. Okay, now, now obviously we know there's people who take advantage of that, and we know that there's people who uh, have no clue of it. So for me personally, I'll say this. I would say for a number of years, and it wasn't until I landed in the church of North Carolina that I really ever hear somebody talk about God's unconditional love. And, and it was there that I found out this, that guess what, that I didn't have to work to earn God's love. Right? And, and, you know, even at the core of that, that word, unconditional, so often I put conditions on God's love for me. Am I making sense? That, that you know, if I don't pray enough, if I don't read enough, if I don't worship hard enough, you know, if, if I don't do enough, then at the end of the day, God isn't going to love me. And, and what I learned there, thank God, is simply this, that guess what? When it's unconditioned, it means this, that there's nothing that I can do to make God love me more, and there's nothing that I can't do that may, will make God love me less. Amen. And, and, and this may sound funny to you, but this is the way it was framed for me in my own head with God, that, that, I, that I came to realize that God loved me just as much as he loved the crackhead under the bridge. Right? In other words, there was no difference. He just loved me. Right? And, and when, when, listen, when, there's, uh, when you know love is in the air, boy, it changes things. Amen. It makes your worship different. It makes prayer time different. It makes what you read in the Bible different, right? Because there's a rest that's in that that's not found in religion and legalism. Amen. Amen. So listen, I think you and I know, unfortunately, uh, many people in our society view God completely different than the picture that we're describing here, right? Why? Because so often, once again, religion and legalism paints an inaccurate picture that describes God as being full of frustration towards us. And, and because he's full of frustration, because we just can't get it right, guess what? That, that leaves him, in our minds, cold, leaves him distant, and it leaves him insensitive to our needs. Is that true? 
So listen, time and time again, listen, that once again, religion, legalism, it betrays God as anything but good, much less loyal to us. Amen? So think about this for a moment. If, if that angle was true, right, uh, can you imagine what life would look like if, if we, uh, you know, had a God that was all-powerful, that was all-knowing, but lacked love? I, in my opinion, that would be terrifying. Yes? To, to know that, you know, that, that is the picture that so many people think that, that here's, you know, the man upstairs with a stick in his hand waiting for us to mess up just so he can hit us, right? You, you know, I'm amazed by how many Christians I've met over the years that feel like God is punishing them for something. And, and listen, it's different when there's, you know, someone that's being an idiot and that's, and that's running and gunning and doing whatever they want. But I'm talking about like good-hearted people that actually have believed a lie that, man, like example, this sickness has come upon me because God's trying to teach me something. That's not in the Bible. If you've been told that, please erase that lie. Amen? So, so listen, it's because of these inaccuracies. I believe today God desires uh, to show himself, to reveal himself to us like he did with Moses in Exodus 34. I, I simply want to read this verse for you. In Exodus 34, verse 5 and 8, it says, Then the Lord des uh, descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses as he, talking about Moses, proclaimed the name of the Lord. It says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, what did he proclaim? The Lord, the Lord God, watch this, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in what? Loving kindness, abounding in hasid and truth, faithfulness, keeping mercy and loving kindness, hasid for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Now, how did Moses, how did Moses respond when he saw, the, in essence, the goodness of God pass before him, it says that Moses bowed to the earth immediately and worshiped the Lord. Man, is there any other response? So listen, I don't know about you, but, but to me, when I read that portion of Scripture, I find it very interesting that, uh, you know, out of all the facets of God's character that he could have chosen to reveal to Moses in that moment, that he actually chose to reveal his Hasid to him. In other words, he chose to reveal his loving kindness his compassion, his goodness, his loyalty, his mercy. Once again, steadfast love, bonded love, probably my favorite, sticky love, unfailing love, and covenant love. So I just want to ask you today, are, are you like Moses? Do you need an upgrade in your perception when it comes to uh, your view of God? Do you need an upgrade? Amen. All right, so watch this. Let, let's, uh, let's shift gears significantly because actually I want to show you today uh, three examples of the length that God is willing to go to uh, to demonstrate his hasid, his loving kindness on the behalf of those that he is in covenant with. So the, the first example I want to show you is kind of a, of a very unique story in the Bible, but, but, but the first one's found in the book of Joshua, and it's actually where Joshua uh, made a covenant with the Gibeonite people. Now, in my opinion, this might possibly be uh, the greatest illustration and the greatest demonstration of God's loving kindness that's found outside of the gospel narrative. So I, I want to show you this. Let's pick it up. I'm going to read quite a bit here, but this is Joshua 9. I just want you to kind of grab uh, kind of two sides, kind of go ahead and set it out here. I want you to grab the kind of people that the Gibeonites are or were, okay? And then I want you to see how God responded in spite of who they were. Fair enough? All right, picking up verse 3. 
It says, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai. So if you don't know, Jericho and Ai were two cities that basically Joshua and the armies of Israel conquered on their way to basically uh, to where they're at at that moment. They're moving into the promised land that God uh, had promised them. So watch this. So in verse 4, it says, they, talking about the Gibeonites, what they did, they resorted to deception to save themselves. In other words, if that happened to Ai, if that happened to Jericho, oh my goodness, what are we going to do to save ourselves? And so it says that they resorted to deception. It says, they sent ambassadors to Joshua, watch this, loading their donkeys with weathered sandal, uh, saddlebags and old patch wineskins. They put on worn out patch sandals and ragged clothes. It says, and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. It says, when they arrived at the camp of Israel, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land to ask uh, you to make a peace treaty or a covenant, what most translations say, with us. It says, the Israelites replied, how do we know that you don't live nearby? It says, for if you do, we cannot make a treaty or a covenant with you. The reason they said this is because God made it really clear that when you're going to this land, you better not make a covenant with any of the people that are in, the, that are in Cana, okay? And so it says in verse 8, it says, they replied, we are your servants. But, but who are you, Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? Clearly, my man was suspicious, yeah? And then it says in verse 9, it says, They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and all he did in Egypt. We have also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River. Verse 11. So our elders and all our people instructed us, Take supplies for a long journey. Go meet with the people of Israel and tell them, We are your servants. Please make a covenant with us. So obviously, the picture that we have here is that they've been sent as representatives of a covenant, right? Verse 12 says, this bread, this is their reply, this bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes. But now, as you can see, it is dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open. And our clothing and our sandals are worn out from our very long journey. <clears throat> In other words, they gave them the sad song and dance, right? Verse 14 it says, so the Israelites examined their food, watch this, but they did not consult the Lord. So watch this, they were gullible, and they, what they did is they trusted in what they saw in front of them, so they foolishly made a covenant with them. Look at verse 15. It says, then Joshua made a peace treaty or covenant with them and guaranteed their safety. As you can see there, I left it up. Other translations said basically he chose to let them live. It says, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. Now, here's where the story gets interesting to me. Verse 16 says, Three days after making the covenant, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. So watch this. Please grab a hold of this. If you don't hear anything of what we've already read, is that these guys were now in covenant based on a lie. Okay? Verse 17 says, The Israelites set out at once to investigate and reach their town. They set out to investigate, and they reached their town in three days. It says, but the Israelites did not attack the towns, for the Israelite leaders had made a vow in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So as you can expect, the people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the covenant. But the leaders replied, since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. This is what we must do. We must let them live for divine anger, we'll say for consequences, would come upon us if we broke our oath. Let them live. It says, so they made them woodcutters. 
That sounds about good right now, doesn't it? I just realized that. We need some wood. So they made them woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community. As the Israelite leaders directed, says Joshua called together the Gibeonites and said, Why did you lie to us? Why did you say that you lived in a distant land when you lived right here among us? They replied, We did it because we, your servants, were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded servant Moses to give you this entire land and to destroy all the people living in it. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you. That is why we have done this. Now we are at what? Your mercy. Do to us whatever you think is right. So Joshua did not allow the people of Israel to kill them. Watch this. The story doesn't end there. This is where it turns and gets really good. Because the Bible basically tells us this, that basically very quickly the news spread to the surrounding areas around them, uh, basically about the covenant that they had made and by the deception that they basically you know, made to get it. And so what happened was, is when the five kings or the five tribes that surrounded the Gibeonites, when they heard about it, they became angry. And it wasn't because of their deception. They became angry because they felt like uh, they had been betrayed by their Canaanite brothers. And so the five surrounding kings basically gathered up their tribes and they decided we're going to go attack the Gibeonites because clearly five tribes against one, we know it's going to be, uh, you know, the numbers aren't fair. Y'all with me today? All right, so now watch how God intervenes in his loving kindness. I know this is long, but, but Joshua 10 verse 5 says this. So these five kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all of their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. Now, now understand once again, Gibeons before this have been sworn enemies of the Israelites, right? And then it says in verse 6, The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once. Save us. Help us. For all the kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. In other words, the messenger simply said this. They simply said this. In our time of need, we are calling upon the covenant promises you have made to us. Remember now the covenant that you have made with us and how you bound before God, you're bound before God by an oath to fulfill what? Hasid. So come save and rescue us immediately as you promised. Now, watch this. If I was God, I'd been like, those jokers lied to us. You get what you deserve. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Y'all pray for your pastor. Anyways, so... Um, but, but here's what's so wild is in the middle of that, guess what? God's incredible loving kindness kicks in. Uh, you know, even though the Gibeonites had lied, God gave Joshua his full blessing to go defend them. And he even said in the middle of that, he said this, he said that, man, that not only will, uh, will do I want you to go defend them, but I also want you to conquer those five kings. So it picks up in verse 7. It says, So Joshua and his entire army, included, including his best warriors, set out for Gibeon. Watch what the Lord said. Do not be afraid of them, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Joshua traveled all night and took the armies by surprise. And it says that the Lord threw the five armies into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Interesting story. I know that was long. Thanks for being patient with me. But, but listen, I want you to see today that by the simple fact that Israel was in covenant with God, that that made the Gibeonites not only their covenant partners, but it also put them in covenant with God themselves. 
right? And because of that, God not only responded on the basis of covenant in their time of need, but he also granted, watch this, the greatest miracle in Scripture outside of probably the resurrection. And that was simply this. We see in verse 10 and 12, 10 through 12, that God actually caused the sun to stand still for an entire day so they can not only defend the, the Gibeonites, but also so they could go and defeat the five kings. So, gang, to me, at least when I read that, once again, I know it's long, but when I see that, man, that is Hasid, right? That is God's compassion, God's goodness, God's loyalty, even to a pile of liars, steadfast love, bonded love, sticky love, and failing love, covenant love, and lastly, that is his mercy in action. Amen? So, I read all that today to simply say this. My hope is, is that through this story that all of us will realize that there is never a time in our lives when God will not honor his covenant that he's made with us. If Watch this. Listen, think about it for a moment. If God will do that for the Gibeonites, right, then how much more do we think he'd honor those who love him, right, and serve him under the principles of the new covenant? Listen, if he'll come through for them, what makes you think he won't come through for you? Amen? Amen. Let me give you another example of Hasid and loving kindness in action. It will be much quicker so you can breathe, okay? So uh, think about when, when King David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Not only did he commit adultery, but he also arranged for her husband to be killed in the front lines of battle, right? Now, we know in the story that the prophet Nathan, you know, basically shows up at King David's doorstep, shoves his bony finger in his face, and he exposes sin. And, and at that point, we know that, listen, don't miss this, that David... David knew 100% that there was no forgiveness under the law of Moses, which clearly stated because he had committed adultery, because he had committed murder, that he should have been stoned to death. Is that true? It's very true. So what did David do? Listen, and and remember just in light of this, David is is a type of a modern-day believer that operates under the new covenant. Okay? So what did he do? We know that he immediately repented. We cannot miss that here. Yes, the, the, the loving kindness of God doesn't give us a license to sin. Amen. But, but what did he do? He immediately repented of his sins. And what did he do? He made an appeal. He made a plea for, for what? For mercy. He made a plea for Hasid beyond the law to the covenant heart of God. Now watch what happened in Psalm 51 verse 1. He said this, have mercy, have a seed on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Now, were there consequences for David's sin? Read it. Yes, there was, right? But here's the, here's the great part. God forgave him of his sin, and ultimately he did not forsake him, even in one of his darkest times of his life. Talk about God's compassion, mercy, Love, right, and unfailing love in action. That's loyalty, gang. Yes? Let me give you the last example. The last example is this, is almost the entire history of the Israelites. Right? Here's God's chosen people, the covenant people, and throughout most of the Old Testament, we see that their relationship with God can be best defined as this, as one big old roller coaster ride. Right? Literally in one season of their life, they're at this high peak with God. They're, they're in a credible spot with God. And it's like, man, flip the coin in the next spot. Man, they're a million miles away from God. And, and you know, what are they doing? They're taking another plunge into the depths of their sin. Right? Yes? I mean, they're even going so far, they're killing their children. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Right? Because they're following these other gods that were in the area. Is that true? Yeah. It's very true. And watch this. Yet in spite of all of that, 
What, what happened? We consistently see that God never stopped pursuing them with his loving kindness. Right? Again and again, we see God delivering them out of their mess every time they cried out for help. Listen, again and again, we see him raise up another prophet to declare his unconditional love for them. Why? It was all because they were his covenant people. Y'all getting this today? So here's the point I want to see. As we, you know, see through the lives of Joshua and the Gibeonites, we see through the life of King David and see through the life of the Israelites of old. Uh, we'll throw up the next slide here. I just want to read this to you. Here's, what, here's the point I'm trying to make to us. It is because God loves us with an everlasting love. He is committed to keep every word of his covenant promises. That's good news, gang, right? Yeah. Like This is clearly seen as commitment to be there for us, his covenant people, every day and every hour to save to keep, to protect, and to care for us. His Hasid, his loving kindness tells us that God passionately loves us, longs to be with us, and will pursue us even when we walk away from him. Here's the key, guys, that he will not give up on us even when we've given up on him. I mean, let's be honest in this room. How many times have we lacked faith and yet God was still faithful? Right? I mean, how many times have we seen people uh, run and run and run and run, and God keeps chasing. Some of y'all are, uh, can bear witness because that was you in this room. Amen. Amen. What chased you down? It was God's loving kindness. Amen. So I want you to hear the, the heart of God today uh, for you, okay? It comes out of Hebrews 13, verse 5. This is the amplified version. I love the way it says this. It says, For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. <sighs> right? Listen, that's not only covenant language, guys, but that's also the perfect description of the loving kindness of our God. So, man, listen, if you're just sitting there today, man, can you just maybe stop for a moment? Just, man, just go, is there a time that, that I know that God expressed his loving kindness towards me? Once again, listen to what Hasid means. Yes, it means loving kindness, but it means compassion. Once again, when did he express his compassion towards you? His goodness his loyalty, his mercy, his steadfast love, his bonded love, his sticky love that won't let you get away, his unfailing love, and lastly, his covenant love. Are y'all hearing me today? So li listen, here's, here's my simple prayer for this for y'all today is that you would leave this place knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, in spite of who we are at times, he still loves us. Amen. And, and it's his love that keeps that covenant in action for us. In, in fact, I'll just, I'll just maybe throw this up just because we have a little bit of time. Yeah, thank you. So listen, under the new covenant, here's what God has promised to bless us with. Because that's how he expresses his promises. It's by his blessings. And he said this, look, that when you come to him, I bless you with salvation. 
And it includes those things that are underneath it. He says, look, I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you of your sin. Man, I'll declare you righteous before my Father. Man, that you'll be born again, that you'll get a new start in life. Man, that not only that, you'll have an assurance and a witness in your heart, man, that, that, that you are with me. Amen? He said, I'll set you apart for holy service. And he said, look, I'll adopt you in my family. And lastly, he said this, that he'll bring the fullness of his glory in our lives. Okay? Just a thought for you here. Uh, I have, I have seen, as a youth pastor for years, I remember one kid in particular, his name was Chris. I remember going to put my hand on his shoulder. I said, buddy, I want you to know two things. Number one, your mama prays too much for you, for you to be doing what you're doing. And secondly, I said this, you can try as hard as you want to run and run and run, but you're going to be miserable as you run because God's touch and God's hand's too big on your life. Amen. Some of the most miserable people on the planet are people who are running. Amen. Watch this. Let me show you the next part. God said that he would bless us with this. First one was salvation. He said he would bless us with the kingdom. Man, I love that. Go read the Bible. What it says that he said he would bless us by pouring the spirit out on us. That he'll bless us with healing. So today, if you need healing, man, grab a hold of that. It's part of the loving kindness of God. That he'll bless you with miracles. That he'll bless you with deliverance. And ultimately, what does he do? He blesses us with eternal life. Amen. Amen that this ain't it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Y'all getting out of church early today. I figured I've held you guys up the, too much the past few weeks. We might as well get some time back. Amen. That means I get to go longer next week. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways. Uh, listen, if you can, just close your eyes. And, and just really today... I mean, just ask the Lord to give you simply in your own heart a revelation of his loving kindness towards you. And I would encourage you today, if you're here and you know that, you, you know, either you've been running or maybe if you know that you have uh, not been, uh, you know, you're just not where you're supposed to be. But I encourage you today, just say, Lord, forgive me. Cry out to him and let the loving kindness of God meet you there. You will experience his loyalty. You will experience his compassion and his mercy. You can say this with me. Say, Father God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would help me believe that you really do love me with an unconditional love. Say, say, Lord, if I have tried to work and perform my way into your good graces. Let me stop. That's tiring. God, I want to rest in your peace and in your loving kindness. Yeah. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray today for every person that's here. Lord, I just ask you in the name of Jesus that if there's anything that you have made available to us through the covenant, God, that we uh, need at this moment. Father, I thank you that you don't abandon us. But Lord, I thank you that you're faithful to your promise. God, and you'll meet us exactly where we are at today. God, if we need healing, Father, today in the name of Jesus, we receive healing. 
God, if we need a miracle in our lives, a miracle in our marriage, uh, God, a miracle in our home, a miracle in our finances, God, we pray today, God, that you would begin to move, and God, that you would just uh, come through as the miracle-making God. Father, we thank you today for your faithfulness. Uh, Lord, we even grab a hold today, uh, God, if we got some kids that are running and kids that aren't serving you, Lord, we just simply ask today, God, that you would once again pursue them with your loving kindness, that you would pursue them with your heart, God, and that you would grab a hold of their hearts, God, and you would help them return to you. And uh, just lastly, Lord, I just pray, God, would you help us be like Moses? Would you let your goodness pass before us? Lord, let us see you in a new way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.